Hey, everybody, it's Lee. I know we're heading into the offseason, so we wanted to give a shout-out to our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, one more time. And again, we have a coupon for $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at hockey.sensearena.com. I always like to remind everybody, I've been using this thing for six months, and I'm just blown away, not just from the VR aspect of it and the virtual reality side of things, but the ability to give different perspectives of the game, whether I'm playing as a goaltender, and I got to admit, it is really hard, but it has really given me a perspective from that point of hockey, which has made me a better coach and a better ice hockey player, or the skater modes, which help you work on cognitive skills and other things like heads-up play that you don't normally get to work on in a practice or a game. So I implore you to check it out. It helps us out. It helps them out. Support our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena. Get $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Again, that's Hockey Never Stops. That's the code at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Check it out. And without further ado, enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. people welcome back to another edition of our kids play hockey if you're here you know we got another great guest for you today today's guest pete whitney used to be the coach of post university a division two ncaa team uh recently retired and we got to pick his brain and really have a fantastic episode today about the journey from youth hockey to prep school slash collegiate hockey and beyond uh for those parents out there and players that really are interested in that topic this is going to be the one for you uh, Pete really dives into what he would look for as a coach, what other people are looking for, uh, and how, you know, at the home, you can start building the skill sets, the mindsets needed to really play hockey at the next level. So really enjoy this one. I know we did as the hosts, uh, lots of golden nuggets of wisdom in this one. Uh, also, getting towards the holidays here now, uh, I'd like to provide you with some value. So check out HockeyWrapAround.com and use the code OKPH. Again, HockeyWrapAround.com and uh, try the patented uh, uh, hockey wraparound, their flagship product. Uh, over hundreds of thousands of these have been sold. Uh, tremendous amount of positive 4.5 or up reviews on Amazon. Uh, if your kid is using a very expensive hockey stick and you're dreaded about them using it outside, this will protect the blade of their stick. It is well known. Again, check it out, hockeywraparound.com. They also have their dry stick uh, equipment, portable equipment dryer. Check that out. It attaches right to your hockey stick, which we all have. Uh, consolidates the uh, area you can dry your equipment in. It's also fantastic for road games or tournaments. Uh, that's going to be a big one for this holiday season. Again, check it all out at HockeyWrapAround.com. And finally, look, if you're loving this podcast, which I know you do because you're here, <laughs> feel free to share it with some friends. Put it in your team snaps. Put it uh, on your chats. Uh, give us that five-star review wherever you listen. We really, really appreciate you as an audience and uh, continue to grow here uh, at the Our Kids Play Hockey Camp. Uh, so check that out and let us know uh, how we can support you. Email us at team at OurKidsPlayHockey.com. But without further ado and all that messaging, Enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey with Pete Hello, hockey friends and families around the world, and welcome to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. I'm Leo Elias, and I'm joined by the two hockey podcasting Hall of Famers, Christy Cashiona Burns and Mike Benelli. We've got a great episode and a great guest today. This is going to be one for all the parents and players that are thinking about college hockey for the future. So that's most of you. <laughs> we are proud to introduce our guest, uh, Pete Whitney. Pete comes to us well-qualified. He just retired as the head coach uh, from Post University. That's an NCAA D2 team. Uh, he served as their first head coach since their creation in 2015. So he developed this program from the ground up. Um, prior to Post, Pete spent 11 years as an assistant or an associate head coach at the Gunnery School in Washington, Connecticut. It's a very, very good school. He has also been a scout for the United States Hockey League and was a head coach for Central Connecticut State of the ACHA, and he is uh, active in USA Hockey, 
Yeah, part of the coaching education program and serves as an instructor for the New York district, along with our good friend, Mike Benelli, who's sitting here today. Pete has uh, helped place many student athletes into the NCAA and coached two NHL draft picks and a Hobie Baker award finalist. That is unbelievable company to be holding as a coach. This man knows how to spot talent and how to develop talent for the next level. It's going to be a good conversation. Pete, welcome to Our Kids Play Hockey. Thank you. Can we sign off now? Because that was really good. That sounds good. <laughs> you know, after however, we're probably at around 100 episodes. I'm getting okay at this, right? Uh, the, the the tough part's finding new new puns to introduce my co-hosts every week. I, I got to stay on that game before it gets bad. So, Pete, typically we'd start an episode with your background and what you did. But I actually want to dive into something today because I know the parents that are listening to this are kind of sitting on the edge of their seats in their car driving wherever they're going. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the question of the hour, if you will. What do you look for? and scout for when you look as a college coach for recruiting players? Uh, For me, I mean, the, the obvious thing is can, can the player contribute in some fashion, right? Or do they have a way that they're effective in a game, right? I think one of the downfalls that a lot of players have, maybe when they see somebody in the stands, they, they try to do too much and they actually try to get away from their game, which actually can, can take away from a, you know, a coach's ability to want that player. Uh, So, if you're somebody that finds a way to be effective, now that doesn't necessarily mean scoring a goal. It might be maybe you're back checking. Uh, maybe you're good in the D zone, picking somebody up. Maybe it's that first pass that you make. Even sometimes with me in situations where, uh, you know, depending on the team that you're on, right? It varies with, with talent that, that you're watching because there's some teams where there's, everybody's really good. There's talent, some teams where there's a, a couple of players that kind of stand out. So finding ways to be in the right spot at the right time, regardless of if that teammate is maybe even getting you the puck, showing a hockey IQ. For me, hockey IQ is big because we can work on developing your shot. We can work on developing your edges. Uh, we can, to some extent, work on the IQ with with video and that. But for me, someone who looks like they can be effective in some fashion, and to me, that relates to their IQ. So that, that for me, that's the biggest thing that I always look for. How many times do you have to look at a player before you know that player is going to be a good fit for your team, for the school? Honestly, that really depends on how dynamic that player actually is, right? Because there are some players that stand out immediately. You can see that they skate above and beyond the other players, uh, someone who is really hardworking. Uh, So for me, two to four times I'm going to watch that player to make sure they're consistent at that because that's the other piece. Right. When you get to the college level, uh, you know, we're going to play like we went to the finals that uh, my last year. And I think we played 27, 28 games total. Right. Compared to the 50, 60 plus the juniors play. Mm -hmm. So trying to find a way that guys are uh, consistent and that's hard. It's hard. Just like in the NHL, it's hard to be up for an 80, 81 game schedule. So the consistency is, is a big thing for me. You know, I also want to say, but you brought up a great point that uh, it made me think of a story that, of Dennis Rodman, basically. You know, he started playing basketball very late in life, was not a good shooter. But he said, and if you ever watch The Last Dance, he says this, I knew I could be good at rebounding. And he became essentially the best or one of the best rebounders of all time to the point he got noticed by the best in Michael Jordan. So for parents out there and players out there, I think it's really important that you know what your child excels at, and it's important to build upon. And Pete, feel free to comment on this. Build upon all skill sets, but you know, I always say, you know, if you're in a scoring league, become the best passer. 
If you know there's people in the league that are having a hard time passing, get great at being a playmaker. Or as you said, the hockey IQ, find other ways to separate yourself from the crowd. Because I know when I was coaching college uh, or even in the pro ranks, you're right. We look for a diverse group of things, right? We need something that's going to fit into our team, fit into the equation. And, and don't get me wrong. If there's a, a, a guy or a girl that has all five of the traits you need, everybody wants that player. But it's finding that right person that's going to fit. And then on top of it, uh, Pete, throwing it back to you, there's the the culture aspect of it, the personality aspect of it, right? That the talent is just not enough. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, for me, finding that player too, like what you were just talking about, Lee, with, um, right, the, the, that player does all five things, obvious, stands out really, really right. well, really easily. But part of the fun for me recruiting was kind of maybe finding that player that maybe is a little under the radar, that maybe isn't super flashy, but I know that that, that player can be better. Right. And for me, that was, that's the fun of coaching was uh, mm. growing and developing them. And then the second part is that conversation, you know, when the event's over and you're waiting around a half hour with all the other coaches in line to talk yeah. to different players, see what the conversation is. Can that player hold a conversation? And at the college level, honestly, my first question with that player is, how are your grades? How are you doing right. in school? Right. Yeah, yeah, that's I, important. That is that is critical, and I think a lot of kids forget that, and they may not realize how difficult it is to play college hockey and maintain good grades and go after your dreams career-wise, not just athletically. It's like having a second full-time job. I think kids really need to face that reality, and they once you get into it, <laughs> be careful what you wish for. It's a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, the other part of it, too, is there's a certain about a knowledge that I think some parents, no fault of their own, they just don't have. So at the Division One and Division Two levels, there's something called the NCAA Clearinghouse. Well, in order to play at those levels, you have to have a particular GPA in your core courses. So very often you'll have a conversation with a player and you'll say, well, what's your GPA? Well, my GPA, let's say it's a it's a 2.5 or 2.6. I think it's a two one or it might be two two now to uh, to get through, but it's only on your core courses. So the course that you had in, you know, basket weaving and introduction to uh, maybe um, whatever doesn't factor into that. You know, it's your math, your English, your science, and your social studies, right? So that's an important part to understand too, because guys will get unfortunately sometimes will be a little bit of surprise for players. Right. But uh, hey, you know what? You don't really have a two five because these courses don't don't count, don't matter. And that's only to division one, two level three is not like that. Three, if you got the minimum GPA, you're good to go. You know, I always found when coaching and playing in college, you know, one of my big realizations in college when I played um, was that I could apply my work ethic to hockey to other things. Um, and it took me almost, I feel like too long to figure that out. But I remember in high school, I was focused only on hockey and just, I wanted to get to the next level and I would do anything I could. And, you know, I, I would say my, I didn't get horrible grades, but they suffered <laughs> for that. You know, I was, my focus was on, uh, was on hockey. And then I remember when I got to college, you know, they tell you right away, well, if you don't hit this minimum GPA and then my, my coach wisely lifted it, it was higher than the minimum. You can't play. So suddenly I was like, well, I have to do good in school to play hockey. And Christy, to, your, to what you said, it, you know, it became a second job. I don't know which one I considered the second job. I don't remember if I thought school was the second job or hockey was the second job, but 
I, I got real serious real quick with with school. And I remember it, it clicked of, look, I can put this work ethic I'm putting into hockey and anything. Um, so for parents listening, I always like to share that message because I, I want your kids to know that before I did, right? If they can learn that in high school um, or middle school that, you know, your schoolwork and really anything you want to do in life, you can apply your passion or your work ethic to it because it all becomes part of it, right? And Mike, Pete, Christy, we talk about this all the time. The best, the best, the best athletes, they're doing it all the time with everything they do, right? right. Connor McDavid does not just get competitive on game night. He's probably competitive yeah. all the time. You know, and you can pick any great athlete. That's that's how they operate. So, Pete, throwing it back to you, you know, you, you've got to coach a lot of athletes in your coaching career, right? Any ones that stand out and the qualities that they had or, or maybe ones that didn't have those qualities that developed them? You know, I'm trying to find messages for parents that are listening of, you know, my kid's somewhere in the middle and I want to find these these traits or these these coaches, too, that can help develop them. Sure. I, I think for me uh... – I used the phrase that winning is a byproduct of everything else that you do. And that does not just apply in hockey because I think hockey, because of the adversity in our sport, right? I mean, you take people, put them on steel blades, give them sticks, start whacking each other, tell them to behave. There's a lot of adversity going on in our sport, right? Uh, So getting through all that and learning all those pieces of adversity and how to overcome them it becomes part of the fabric of who you are. And I, I see that with a lot of my guys after they've graduated now, because I had from prep school to college, all the classes have gone through the guys that are the most successful are the ones that understood that, mm. that did whatever they could to be better at everything. And now that's not just, doesn't mean just on the ice because once you get into college and, uh, and to some degree in prep school too, there's things like student activity committees, uh, fundraising committees, uh, student government, things like that. People that get involved and then learn to excel in whatever it is they're doing, that carries through to real life. And in my past, to answer your question, those have been the best players. Mm. Those have always been the best players, without a doubt. The people that were singularly focused uh, were good, but not having the same opportunities that those other people did. Fantastic point. Um, and you know, that comes from somewhere. So this, this is the next dreaded question for the audience. Parents obviously play a role in moving their children from youth hockey to the next level, right? What do you look for in parents when you're considering a player? That's a good question. Uh, I look for a parent that allows their child to be or their son or their daughter to be uh, proactive in what they're looking for. And independent, right? Right. I don't want to get, I don't want to get an email from a parent. My most dreaded conversation is, Hey coach. I don't know if you watch my, uh, my case, it's a boy, right? I don't know if you watch my son play, but he was number so-and-so, you know, the team's not great, but he's doing okay. Like stop please stop. Let your child advocate for themselves because that's the biggest thing is that's part of the lesson, right? That's part of the lesson is learn to self-advocate because you're going to need to do that in the real world. And it's a great arena for you to learn that ice hockey is, I think, being on a team, any team really, but being on a team, let them go. The hardest thing is let your kid go because you love your child. You don't Mm want to see your child fail. 
but sometimes the best thing you can do is allow your child to fail and be there for him and help him get up. Right. Yeah. I, and I've had this conversation with Paul Flanagan. He just retired as the SU women's hockey coach early on when Sophia expressed interest in college hockey. He said, you should not be talking about this with me, Christy. Sophia should. And Sophia was just 12 or 13 years old at that time. And he said, do you understand what I'm saying to you? I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to step back and let her do all the work. He said, exactly. He well, said, I, there's nothing more annoying than yes. getting emails and letters and phone calls from the parents advocating for the kids. He goes, that ends it right there. I, the conversation doesn't progress. <laughs> you know, I want to hear from the kids. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I've got a, Lee mentioned, you mentioned throwing stories out there. I got a story that was shared with me by a, a friend of mine was a former division one coach who uh, one day the telephone rang and uh, it was uh, I'll make up the names. It was John's John's dad on the phone. And he said, Hey coach, good morning. Uh, you know, this is Bob. I'm John's dad. It's okay. So I, I just kind of wanted to talk to you about John a little bit and his and everything. Okay with him. Yeah, he's fine. I just want to talk about his playing time and what's, oh, happening, what's happening there. So there was a coach pause for a minute and he said, Bob, this conversation can go one of two ways. Uh, you can tell me what you need to tell me. And then I'm going to have to have a very difficult conversation with your son. Mm -hmm. Or you can say, coach, just call to say hello. And I hope you have a nice day. <laughs> there, there was a pause on the end of the phone. And he said, Bob said, coach, hope you have a nice day. Smart. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that I think that Good goes call. along. I think that goes along like with your, your your life cycle of coaching, though, Pete. Right? Is that that you know from from amateur hockey to prep school to college? I don't know if parents are equipped with th those answers all the time, right? I mean, so so what are some like what are what you know? So so we're coaching our kids, right? We well, hopefully if I have a bantam or a peewee and he's looking at prep school, I'm coaching that player. I mean, we don't listen. You don't expect a a, a 13 year old to ask about you know, a tuition assistance and, you know, what the com what the core credits are going to be for them in high school. I, I, I wouldn't expect that, but there are certain things we can do right for our kids to give them uh, the guidance and our own coaching as parents to help kids navigate the prep school route from prep school to junior, from junior to college. I mean, so what are, what, like, are there, like, what are your recommendations for like the top three things you would want a parent to coach their kid and their player to ask, like, what are, what are the, what are the, the, the things that you want to hear from a player? Cause I know like when I advise our players, I'm like, well, listen, you have to ask, you know, what's the pipeline look like? Is there like, is it wrong for me to ask what the pipeline looks like to your players? If I'm a goalie, do you have seven goalies coming in? Like, do you recruit new kids every year? Is there a cap on your recruiting? Uh, do you look for players? You know, certainly you're telling me I have a certain role, but you know, can, can I ask you, how do I earn that role? and change that role throughout the year? Are, are those kind of questions off limits to you uh, at, from a recruiting standpoint for a kid to ask? Sure. So you're talking that junior level kid that or prep school that's going to try to make that as a, right? You're not talking. Right, I want to know. I'm doing my research, right? I'm doing my research on you. Hey, Coach Whitney, I see that you're in your fourth year at Post University. Are you going to be here in two years? Like, like are, are these off limit questions for players nowadays to ask? Because, and, and maybe the audience doesn't know this as in depth, but, you know, the player players in college can transfer on a dime right now, right? They could just leave just like now, like, like basically 
where coaches were allowed to do for years and years. So now if a player has that power to say, well, I'm not really happy with this year, so I'm, I'm leaving. Like after all the work, I mean, Chrissy just asked you, how many play- times do you, how much do you invest in a player before you commit to them? It's a lot, right? It's not one video. It's, it's, it's a lot. So if you're investing that much time in the player, doesn't the player have a right to invest in finding out, you know, where you're going to be? I think a hundred percent. I mean, I've always been very open with that. And, and, you know, I want a player when we go through a recruiting process and I tell them this, ask anything you want. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no, there's no bad questions. Um, I usually use the example. I said, you probably played for someone who you weren't maybe getting the shifts you want. Maybe you weren't getting the ice time and you sat in that coach's office and he looked at you and he said, you just need to work harder. I said, if I ever tell you that, first off, I never will. You'll never hear that. You'll never hear that from me. But if I do ever tell you that, um, you can call me out right then and there. Because I will tell you, we'll sit there and I'll say, maybe your back check isn't good. Let's look at some video. You need your first two steps need to be better. You need to make a better pass whatever it may be, but you will have something tangible when you leave my office that mm-hmm. you know you can work on because there's nothing more frustrating. Just picture it in, in your daily life, right? If you're working for somebody and uh, you, you maybe, maybe you didn't get a promotion or you didn't get a spot you wanted and your boss said, just hang in there, man. Just hang in there. You'll be okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then your seat's taken the next day. You come in on Monday, like, what do you mean? I have a job. You didn't told me everything was fine. Oh, no, you just weren't working hard enough. But what was that? And I, I love that. Like, what does that mean? Okay, I'm not working hard enough. Oh, you're, you're, I'm, I'm looking at your progress report. I talked to your advisor and you're late for class every day. That's not a player. Like, if I'm a coach, I'm like, I, I can't trust you. Like, I can't trust that you're going to be here for me. So I'm, I'm out recruiting right now for players that I know will be in class every day on time. And right. then I don't have to, you know, put that same effort in. So, you know, so I guess like, where is that fall on the pecking order of your, like you're in a room. Cause most, most high school kids are going to be like, I don't know. Yeah. It was okay. <laughs> like that kid's going to be in a, in the room alone with you. Right. Uh, you know, hopefully with a parent, but like, I, I, I know when I was, um, when I was re- heavily recruiting, it was always, you know, okay. The player goes off, um, you know, with me and the, da- the dad goes and the mom go and see the tour of the campus. And I get to kind of be in the room with maybe the, my captain or one of the leadership and say, hey, we're going to ask questions because and, and the best people to ask is my leadership. Ask the people that are on my team right now. I mean, I remember my first, my one of my recruiting visits. I won't name the school, but I'm, I'm like in the bathroom and two hockey players walk in like, you do not want to come here. This is the worst place oh. you could ever be. These are two players that are on the current team. Right. This is the worst campus. It's the worst coaching staff. I come to find out. These are both like fourth line guys, right? And they see me as a threat because they're like, okay, well, this guy's coming in. Like, I don't want this guy coming in. That's another person I got to compete against. So is it wrong for a player to sit in the room and ask you, okay, I looked at your ro- roster. You only have one senior. Where do I fit in? And then if I, if, and I, of course I think I fit in, but wh- ha- what is the, what can you tell me some tangible advice you can give me that I can walk up the ladder on your team? I mean, that's okay to ask, right? Yes, I mean, 100%. It, at the end of the day, I want, and you mentioned, you know, players, because some players will come with their parents and some won't come with their parents. It all depends. If they come with their parents, quite honestly, I include the parents in the conversation because I really, I don't have anything to hide. I mean, parents, you ask a question, player, you ask a question, 
Because at the end of the day, I want people that want to be there. When you finally make your decision and you come to play for me, I use the phrase, I want you to take down the rear view mirror and just look forward because that's where we're going. I don't want you to have, well, what if I had done this or what if I had done that? If, if that's where your head's at, I'm probably not the place for you to be. And that's, that's okay. If I'm not the place for you to be, you know, the reality is we will find someone else. And if you're on an opposing team, we see it in the game, shake your hand, wish you well. But having that knowledge and, and knowing all the answer those questions, Mike, like, yeah, open for me, open book, always was willing to answer questions. They're never necessarily always easy questions. Um, you know, sometimes you agree to disagree on certain things more so after a player has been with you for a while, but in the recruiting process, ask absolutely everything, because that's how you're going to find out who that person you're going to be playing for, for the next four years really is. If they're evasive, if they beat around the bush with answers, if they don't give you an answer, if they give you a, a political answer, then you got to decide if that's something you really want to play for. Right. That, that, can I, can I just add one little thing in there? just on this subject, would you rather hear from uh, my son's hockey advisor at 15 or my son? I'd rather hear uh, <laughs> from your son because I know the advisor is probably you. And <laughs> <laughs> Right. Right. Well, I paid a lot of, I paid a lot of money for that advisor to call you. So that's I right. You know, and we're I'm, paying I'm, the tuition bills. So yeah. But so I, I guess have, that ultimately, I, yeah. I have a, a prep school question. It, it is different for women and men. Um, do you do you ever look at kids who are not in prep school to recruit for college now? Because it just seems like the trend continues. More and more kids are not playing high school hockey. They're leaving high school to, if they're serious about playing college, to play a prep school and then play juniors in order to get looked at. And then, you know, I, I've I've seen it at my daughter's college the um the freshmen are 22 and 23 years old now um just <laughs> start now so it's, so it's a little it's a little different i think you know in the in the uh the women's game than the men's game yeah, it is de it's definitely different for women there are so many junior opportunities for for the men to play that it's right it's a natural thing that you do whereas with the women prep school to college is is way more common but to your point it's it is becoming less common but i think some of that too might be geographically where those players are coming from too mm. where, where it's perhaps more accepted that well go play post-grad go play a junior year because i mean the reality is and, and it's true i mean women are more mature than men i mean they just are they mature at an earlier rate quicker rate and they seem more focused on I want to get to school and I want to get my life going. Whereas guys are like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> Two more years. How long can I play? It's just a little different attitude. I think a little different mindset. Not, not that it's right or wrong either way, but I, I just find that as, as a difference. I just say that because I coached high school girls for about six years. I did that. And I just found them more like they knew pretty much what they wanted to do for a career when they were seniors. Right. In high school. Yes. I found guys that too. Are, yeah, guys are. But I guess the question is: so I'm, I'm a parent of a boy who wants to play college hockey. Do I have to accept the fact that he's got to go to prep school at age 14 and 15? He's got to leave his high school. Forget about playing high school hockey. If he's got a lot of talent, 
and it, it looks promising that a college is going to look at him. Do I have to accept the fact that he's got to go to prep school? I don't think he has to go to a go to a, a prep school because I mean there there are there are a lot of opportunities for those for for the guys. And like to your point, not so much with with the with the women to to play like U eighteen and kind of work your way up. So you could be going to your high school, still going to the dances and doing all that stuff because that's important. I mean, those are things that they give up that they don't think about at the time, but down the road they do. They can they can matter, right? Um, so you do have the opportunity to still go to your high school. Problem there is you're not playing for your high school. You got to deal with the social aspect of that, of why you aren't playing for your high school. Um, exactly. Right. But at the end of the day, getting yourself to where <clears> you, <throat> you feel you can be most successful and you are most comfortable. If you leave and go somewhere and you're not happy having had made that choice, you're probably not going to be successful, right? Like you're not going to be really good at a job you take that you don't really like the job. Yeah, I, I think this comes back a lot to 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 what the kid wants versus what the parent wants, and then that really challenging balance of <clears throat> parenting your son or daughter through that time, right? Because there's really no right or wrong way to do it. Um, I will I will say this, Pete, that, that one of the things I think we're seeing right now, um, nationally, is that there's a little bit of an accountability issue amongst parents and kids, you know, younger ages, in the sense of um, and I've said this before on the show, look, it's really hard, very hard to watch your kid fail, right? But what I what I find is that it's as a parent, it can actually be easier to fix the problem because it saves you as the parent the pain of having to watch your kid fail. And I think personally, and again, there's a delicate balance here for everybody listening. Everybody has to kind of do it their own way. I'm not saying there's a right way, but you do have to let your kid fail. Right. You have to let your kid learn how to fail and deal with that adversity and rise up and fail again and rise up and fail again. Um, and I think that that's not happening enough. Right. So what happens is, Christy, to your point, 14 or 15 years old, the prep school question comes up and they're, they're really not where they need to be because they've not faced that type of adversity. And then they go because either the parents are telling them to go or it looks like a great option. And you're just hit in the face with all this massive adversity. Pete, you alluded to that things that happen in high school <laughs> and they can't deal with it. Um, and look, not to take it too serious, but we're seeing massive rises in teen suicide, athlete suicide, uh, uncommon numbers. Like we're kind of ignoring that right now as a nation. Again, we got a lot of problems going on, but it comes back to this. And this is where I'm going, Pete. And this is why I love you as a coach. Uh, there's not a lot of ego with you, if any. You said that about your interview. Ask me questions, right? I always tell young athletes, you should ask a lot of questions about the culture and how you think you fit in and where you want to be in a few years. Uh, you want to have that relationship with your coach. Don't make it political. Don't talk about how great you are, right? Find find someone you can work with. And you need a coach without a lot of ego with that. I've had coaches that have told me how it's going to be before I've even asked a question. I don't want to play for that guy, right? It, it, and or, or if I suggest something, I've had coaches where I've suggested systems, right? Pete, I, I just said, hey, you know, I played this in the past. What do you think about this? And the coach said to me, don't you ever tell me what to play. And that's not what I was doing. I was just trying to talk hockey with the person, but lack of ego, right? Um, the other thing, Pete, about coaching you said, I want to touch on it. I, I, you said this earlier. We kind of went past it. I love that you said that when someone comes to your office, you want to give them something tangible to leave with to work on. I think that's so important. I think that's the whole point of coaching. 
uh, again, going back to what I said about parents, it can be real easy just to say, no, I'm right. Get out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, or to say them that. So giving them tangible things to work on, something we should be doing in society too, right? I would say coaching and leadership should be transferred are important. So sorry, I'm monologuing a lot. Here's the question I had, all right? With everything I just said, you've coached a lot of different levels, a lot of different roles. How have you evolved as a coach over time and how has coaching evolved over time? Keeping in mind some of the things I just said. Sure, I think for me, yeah, I mean, I can remember times where, uh, honestly, way, way back, my way or the highway, right? Mm -hmm. And I can go back even further. So I'll go back. Here's a good story. I hope it doesn't embarrass my son. I don't think it will. Uh, he's eight years old. I'm coaching a squirt team, right? And we argue way too much in the car on the way home about his play, about how the game went, that kind of thing. So we made a rule that, when I'm on the bench or at practice, I'm coach. Mm -hmm. I get in the car, I'm dead. And I'm not going to ask you anything about your game again. If you want to tell me, that's great. I'll have a conversation with you, but I promise I won't ask. So this goes on for about two, three weeks. And I, of course, I'm going out of my mind on the ride home because he's not talking about the game at all. And I'm dying to find out how things are going. And he knows it. Like he knows he he's eight years old, but he knows he has me, right? <laughs> he does. He does. So true. we're driving home at one point. It's, it's so quiet. It's it's stone quiet in the car. So I finally say to him, "So, what did the coach say to you after the game?" <laughs> and he just started laughing. I started laughing. And ever since then, it's been great. Ever since then, it's been it's been great. But that that's a place where I grew. Where then I knew, and I I think I realized. It's about them. Like even right. go up to the college level, even at the pro level, right? It's about them because all those people that you're directing, that you're trying to gain their trust, that you're trying to teach, they're the ones that help you keep your job. So you probably should be really good to those people. It's a great that's, quote. That's, <clears throat> that's a fantastic quote. <laughs> Mike, Mike, I want to hear your thoughts on that quote. <laughs> Coach Mike. No, listen, my, my son is a work. He's, he's like, uh, you never do this stuff with me. I go, yeah, but I'm coaching you. Like I'm, if I'm your coach and you're, you're, you're really kind of screwed because I, I talk to all the players that way. Like I probably talk to my players too much, like about their own play and they're not my kids. Like I'll, I'll be like, okay, I'll be on our app chat or whatever. I'm like, Hey, listen, you got to do this better. Or, or that was great. Or I really love this. Like I like talking hockey. Like, I just want to, I want to get right. the kids to talk to me. So it, it becomes like then separating, like with your son, Pete, it's like, okay, well, don't you just want to talk about hockey? Like, I'm just, I just want to talk about hockey as a coach. Like right. imagine if I could have my whole team in the back of the car right now, I would love it. It'd be, it'd be a great opportunity for me to have a conversation, but no, it is, it's hard. It's, it's, uh, but I, I think, I think having that, the evolution, I don't, I don't know when you hear every, for the most part, modern professional coach in any you know, from the Pete Carroll's to the, to the Gerard Gallant's there, you know, he's probably a little bit more old school, but you know, Paul Maurice's of the world. Like when you start talking to these coaches and you start hearing uh, from them, they all talk about this dichotomy of the, the move of, well, you got to listen to the players. Like the players have to be an active participant in the team. It can't be a dictatorship anymore. And I don't know if that's, if we're allowing that to happen more and more. Like we're allowing it to happen as parents and we're allowing it to happen as, as coaches. 
and players are maybe, I guess they're more knowledgeable maybe than they were in the past. Right. But isn't there a point Pete, when as a head coach, you still have to have, you still have to maintain that authority and that discipline and the ability to say, it's not my way or the highway, but you're coming into a situation where it is my way. Like you don't, the five dads on my team don't get an opportunity to tell me what the lineup should be because they could ask me what my, my thought process is of why I put the lineup together, but I'm the one, somebody has to make a final decision. No. Right. And I, I think that's where the, that's where the separation, you hope that you create a trust with your team where the players, and I've had this, I've had, I've had the situation where a parent called me and it, I'm not going to say it didn't go well, but I really didn't give them the time of day. Uh, and it ended with, please don't tell my son. Hmm. Um, right. So the next day, and I didn't, I didn't say anything to the son, but then, so the father must've talked to the son because the next day the son came up to me and he said, I understand that my dad called you. I want to apologize for that. I'm 24 years old. I can advocate for myself, coach. I want you to know. And that was, that, that was great to me. Even though that, at that point, I felt that player was an average player. That player was an above average human being. Mm-hmm. What's going to take that player further in his life? The lesson that they learned, right? Or or their ability. Because one of the things that really kind of irks me in, in today is when I hear parents say, I've invested so much. Mm-hmm. Okay, So you have your child take piano lessons for 10 years. If they're not a world famous concert pianist, have they failed? No, but in athletics, if that son or daughter hasn't reached the highest level, somehow you affix blame and or failure to that, which is which is probably the last thing you should really do. It's terrifying, to be honest. Yeah. That's the word I use. Yeah. That is terrifying to me that you would equate, you would equate a numerical worth to their time as a hockey player when that has really that is the farthest thing that should be from your mind uh is obviously yeah yeah but isn't that but yeah. isn't that our industry isn't that what we're doing we are the leader you're the leaders of the hockey world uh, soccer lacrosse we're doing that we we, we as as organizations are saying if you practice with me year round mm-hmm. you go to my 10 showcases if you do this and you do this come in my rink look at all the banners of all the kids that are successful and not one of those banners say that I graduated 17 kids last year with a 4.0 mm-hmm. GPA. So it's our fault. And how do you, so why do we expect parents not to fall into that, that funnel and that gap and then expect, Oh, well, my kid's 21 years old. He's a man. He should be able to speak for himself. When all along the way, we, we've never, we've never built that into their, you know, who they are. And that's so, so, you know, so I do, I, I do agree that, mm-hmm. that success is not, making an NCAA division one hockey team there there's success in that, but your success as a human being and your parent and how your parent feels about walking around like that. Right. Shouldn't be the ultimate goal. But I, but at the same time, I can understand why parents fall into this trap because we're leading them down this path that success can only happen. If you follow me, and all the different things I'm telling you to do. Yeah, Mike, you know, right. I'll, I'll say this. I think it's a bit chicken and the egg, all right? And, like, you're absolutely right <clears throat> in what you're saying. But at the same time, there just needs to be a massive culture shift uh, that has nothing to do with money here, of what we value as a society. 
And, uh, you know, again, if making the NHL is the top priority, I mean, that's just, that's just not a strong value to me. I, I, I get it. Like, I get it. That was my dream for a long time, right? And I didn't do it. But I don't equate my success as a human being on whether or not I did that. And I think that two things, and, and then, Christy, I'd love your thoughts on this, too. Um, you were talking about your son being eight. My, my son's eight. Right. And I had to come to the realization, Mike, you said this. I love talking hockey. I want to talk hockey. He is not thinking about hockey the second he gets off the ice. He's thinking about video games and other things. So I had to, you know, empathize with that of being eight, which all of us have forgotten what it's like to be eight for the most part, and kind of appreciate that he can be that present and be done with the game and not care. Yeah, thank God. You know, yeah. So so I think a lot of this also comes down to our ability as people to just listen and and note and watch, right? And that just because I love to talk about hockey, and this is what it is, Mike, with parents, in my opinion, and, and, and coaches too, what I want or what I think is not what everybody might be wanting or thinking. And it's that's empathy, right? Just putting yourself in someone else's skates or shoes for a minute. And saying my eight-year-old doesn't care about this to the same point that I do, and and knowing that, and it's hey. funny, right? Because you're, to some degree, you're talking about uh, choice and and people's ability to be different, but when you get into the rink, they struggle with that. Look in the parking lot; it's not just black and white Chevrolets. It's every color car you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Right? It's every brand of car you can imagine because people have choice and they're willing to figure out what works for them. But once you walk into the rink, it's like Lee's mm. the most the best player out there. He's the most successful kid. I'm gonna watch what Lee does, and that's what my child's gonna do. <laughs> right? Instead of like you're talking about, just love the fact that your child's an individual, right? Teach them to play to their strengths, whatever that may be in life in general, in the game for sure. And then just enjoy it because like it happens quick, right? Like my kids are grown now, I got grandkids. And uh, the the best thing you can do is actually have a really good relationship with your children, right. which I'm fortunate to do. And like at the end of the day, everything else will take care of itself. Again, you know, winning, success, all byproducts of everything else you do. So, yeah. But if I just follow you, where's my identity? Where do I come in? Right. Right. And also support them if they decide in the middle of their college career that they want to leave the hockey program i've seen that with kids it's hard but it wasn't right for a couple of college students they decided sophomore year i'm done i just it's not what i thought it would be i want to i want to go to europe in the fall i don't want to be playing hockey i want to do you know a a program uh, study abroad you know so you also have to let them decide what's the right path and don't get it in their heads that if you don't do this we work right. so hard to get here this means you're not succeeding this isn't the plan the plan can change the plan can change 100%. and you have to accept that yeah i think i think uh every parent should put into their phone uh the phrase i'm only as happy as my unhappiest child mm. <laughs> uh, it's so true listen mike christy we've all seen this I have seen too many kids pushed by their parents, not in a healthy way, where right. their parents are trying to live vicariously through their kid. Yeah. They almost always burn out before making it anywhere. And the ones that do make it, unfortunately, 
95% of them have drug or alcohol problems because they don't want to be there or they feel that if they stop playing, they're going to let their parents down. Right. Um, it, it's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Right. And so again, I don't want to turn this episode dark. Yeah. But, but they but do put a lot of pressure on their kids. It's so. a balance. It's a balance. Yeah. Look again, there's no perfect parents. It is so hard. <laughs> you guys, again, Pete, I always talk to Christy. I'm like, this show is like therapy for me at this at the start. I've been in hockey my whole life, but my kid's a mite, right? So I've learned so much just by being a mite. Kind of, kind of help. Oh yeah, there's nothing that a donut and a hot chocolate can't solve when you're right. a mite. <laughs> right for them, right for us, it's like, wow, man, I just got to be working on this. And it's like, dude, I, I had to calm myself down that first year so much. I'm so again, I'm so thankful for the show because it taught me a lot. I had, I had every bit of anxiety that every other parent has, knowing that I was going to have it. But yeah, is that is is that a red flag, Pete? When when a dad, mo- a dad, mom, and and the kid are in the in the in your office, like, so this is what we have to we we have in, we have in store here for this team. Like, we think, right. and, and yeah. we it's you like it's like right now, well, it's like Lee with all all the Philly fans. Like, oh my God, we had a great game last night. Like, right. You had a great game last night. Right. I said they they had a great game last night. Right. Team, right. Like that, you know, and that's we. Like I see her that all the time. Like we're in yeah. Ranger country here, right? It's like, oh my God, yeah. we're doing so well. We're doing so, so good. We got we got the right goalie. You, know, you, you, you guys had nineteen hot dogs. But you're you're not doing well. They're doing well, and I think that's you know I think that's your point, Pete. Right? right. You come in. It's not we. It's me. It's I'm the player. I'm the athlete. Right. I'm the one that has to commit to you, and I'm the one that has to show that passion, desire, and the ability to play within your system for the good of we. Right. And that's where you leave that. That's where you do leave a little autonomy away. You know, you have to get you 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 come in as a we or as a me, and 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 then the collective we is how you succeed you know, in the game of hockey, but that's your job. Your job as a coach is to wean through those people and those, those players and figure out, okay, what, what works the best? Cause it's not always the best player, right? You can't have, you can't have 15 first line centermen on your team. Only one puck. It's only one puck. Right? So somebody and has then, to compete. Right. And the, to answer, answer your question a little bit with that, the, the best uh, parent student athlete conversation when they're together is when the, prospective student athlete talks about the hockey and the parents might mention something about um, community service or um, opportunities uh, for internships, you know, things that aren't in that kid's head. Those are the best conversations. Those right. are the best conversations. Well, I, conversations. I, used to have, I used to have those red flags all the time. I was an admissions director for six years and I would sit in the room with mom and dad and the kid. And I, I, I who's the coach? How long has he been coaching? What, what, what has he won? Where has he won? Where has his players gone? Not one question about, you know, who runs the physics lab? Uh, who's the best music teacher in the place? You know, how many how many credits does my kid have to have, you know, in a particular day? When when study hall? Like, never any of that stuff. I'm like, well, you're going to school, you know. Like, this, there is a school component here. So, to your point, it's like, it is the parent's responsibility, I guess, to fill in the gaps and be like, okay, we're going to university here. Right. But there, what are the other things here that's going to allow right. my child? Because most of the time it's you're the one paying, right? Not, mo- not, not, not all the kids are paying for their own tuition. Right. So it's like, what are, what are we mm. getting out of this? Because we have agreed to come to your office right. to look at this university. And we, me and my wife, are paying for it. So we just want to know what are all the great things that outside of how great this hockey program is, Yes. that you're going to help my child, you know, experience in this college. Right. And even, even about the hockey program itself. I mean, ask about, gee, what kind of a trainer do you have? You know, how much experience there, if my kid gets hurt, 
What's yeah. the protocol? Do you call me? You know, do you have the trainer assess? How does that whole process work? Is there someone who is an academic intermediary for hockey players and, you know, the professors? Um, is there somebody who advocates for hockey players when their schedule is putting them on the road from, you know, Thursday until Sunday night? There's tons of questions you can ask that isn't specifically about how much ice time is my player gonna get? <laughs> he's be on the power play. He's been on the, you know, he's always been on the power play since he's, he's always been, a been on player. the power play. The you power need play. to put them on. Let the me power tell play. you why you need my kid. No. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, and Mike, to to your point, because you know, I was in admissions at Gunnery for several years too, like you were in admissions. And if that parent asked me that question, you know what the first thing that comes into my mind? is is your child as ill prepared as you are because everything you just asked me you could look up yeah that's <laughs> what they don't, they don't. <laughs> that's a great point pete like <laughs> I, i'll tell you again I, I can tell you from my own experience again i'd say a good chunk of the reason i went to the college i went to and this is me this is not everybody was because they had a major i was interested in and the the uh, facilities for that major which was broadcasting impressed me so much that it definitely mm -hmm. veered my decision Right. right. So, so, and I remember Pete, you'll laugh at this, but that was my backup plan was the education because at, at 18 years old, my parents told me I needed a backup plan to hockey. Now looking at this as an adult, I realized that hockey was always the backup plan and school was the primary for them, but they were very smart about telling me that, you know, you need to know what you want to do when hockey's not around. Um, I want to, I want to provide a, a quick uh, quote I heard from a really good friend of mine um, and parents, you got to kind of take this one, however you want, but I remember she said, you know, I don't own my child. And I didn't understand that till she dove into it, but she goes, they are a separate whole human being. I don't own them. You know, I'm not them. And it, like, what I mean by that is this, um, I see a lot of similarities in my son to me, but he's not me. And I got to remind myself of that a lot. In fact, I've really become cautious about saying to him, oh, you're just like me. Cause I don't want him to grow up thinking that I, I do tell him we're similar in a lot of ways. I can understand why you react that way, but he's not me. And I got to mm -hmm. approach him as a father, knowing that th that's not me. He's not me. He's not going to be me. <laughs> so I got to raise a human here who just happens to have several traits of his mother and father that we know. So I think, you know, when we get to this college point, what are we developing here? Right. right. The, the, the child, and they're not children anymore at that point. I shouldn't even say that the young adult has to become an adult and this coach and this program and this school are going to be a path to them learning that. To me, that is by far the most important basis for questioning. How are you going to help, hopefully the students asking this, me become a better human being? And Mike, this goes back to what you said before. Okay, we, we all are under the belief here, and Pete, I know you're with this, that better people make better players at the end of the day, right? That the type of person you are directly affects who you are. So when we look at college hockey, pro hockey, youth hockey, the culture has to shift. We have got to shift away from A, pricing people out of the sport, which we're far way off, and then B, what are the outcomes here, right? If it's not to become a better person, I don't care how good your kid is. It's, it's not going to work out. <laughs> I just, it's never seen it work out long-term where this isn't part of it. So that, I think that's part of what we're trying to do here. I know our, I know our listening audience obviously agrees with that because we get enough emails about it. Pete, you know, I'm going to throw this back on you because we're, we're almost running out of time here. And, and for those of you listening, uh, we are going to have Pete back on for, for a multitude of episodes. Just we have to 
we have to pick your brain, Pete, for all the knowledge that you've gained over the years. But, you know, you're a big culture guy. I know that, right? And look, talent has to be there when you get to the collegiate level. You have to have some level of talent. You have to be able to produce in some way. But it's it's not the whole puzzle. So, Pete, I guess the question I want to ask is, what percentage or, you know, you don't have to put a number on, but how much does culture play into it? How important is culture to winning? How do we develop culture pre-college? And how do you cultivate that culture for college and beyond? So that's a lot of questions. It was uh, six, six <laughs> of them. I apologize. I, I've so, been known to do that. <laughs> so early, I, I think early on, it's going to sound silly, right? But I mean, something as simple as, I don't know, because I have grandchildren now, right? And they're just sort of getting to that age because they're they're youngish. Do kids still do chores around the house? Oh. Right? <laughs> I mean, so how about something how about something as simple as that? Like it, right. is that not the beginning of responsibility and right. also some satisfaction, right? And then as we start to develop into high school, being part of clubs, being part of other things maybe learning to play a musical instrument. Like it's so hard when you're singularly focused in athletics mm -hmm. to not understand that there's, there's a, there's the, the who you are and there's a, what you are. Right. Mm. So when you're, if you're in college and you're playing your sport and you are a college hockey player, you graduate, then what? Like what happened? Like you're, you're gone. Somebody else is in your stall. Somebody else is sitting, uh, wearing your number. Somebody else is uh, sitting in your place in the classroom. So the who you are matters so much more to us as human beings, ultimately, where the what you are, that's like the fun stuff we got to do. Like I coached for seven years at Post and it was fantastic. We got to the finals our last year. It was great. But if that's all I ever was, like, I want to be a dad, I want to be a husband, I want to be a grandfather, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I have just as much fun taking my uh, grandson out, teach him how to fish than I do anything else I do in my life, because I know there's more to it than that. And I think the fact that if you understand that there are more things to it, like, like I said, all those little things that you do in your life, helping out, being a good brother, being a good sister, because a uh, husband, wife nobody else gets to do that except you you're the only one that gets to do that mm -hmm. but if you're playing sports as an athlete everybody else gets to do that because there's a natural progression where somebody's doing it 20 years from now and somebody did it 20 years ago so i think that piece and understanding that and teaching your kids that i mean i know i'm going on and on here but i think <laughs> that great. i think that is ultimately you're gonna you're going to create a better human. And to your point, you're going to create a better player. Because if I don't have to worry about you in the dorm, I don't have to worry about you in the classroom and I can focus on the hockey with you. We can talk about all that other stuff, but then I don't have to deal with it and we can get better as a, as a group, as a culture. And that, that that's kind of what we created there was that's who we were. Like guys cared about all that other stuff. They were leaders on campus. You know, we led in community service. There was a year where we actually led the nation in division two for hockey in community service. Wow. We were Fantastic. just as proud of that as we were the fact that, you know, we made the championship game. And at the end of the day, all that will carry that, that uh, player in our case much further. I mean, we have guys that are playing pro now that played. That's great. They'll take care of itself. But at the end of the day, who, who you are, matters more than what you are at that moment, I think.
That is a fantastic answer. I agree. Answer. <laughs> that is a fantastic answer. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this too, Pete, for everybody listening. And, and this echoes, you know, I do a lot of work in the mindfulness space and in the mental fitness, mental health space. And we have found there are three pillars of this, that if these three pillars are here, you're going to be probably in a good mental state. And that if one or any of these disappear, you you start to slip into towards depression and you just tapped on them. One is purpose, right? The why you're just talking about. What is your purpose? Is it to be an NHL player or to be a good person? I, I love that you said being a dad. I take so much purpose in being a dad and a husband as my primary role in my life, aside from all the stuff that I do. Number two is identity. You know, what do you identify as, right? So purpose and identity. And then the third is community. And that's the beauty of sports is we get a community. But to your point, the day you graduate, you lose several of these things immediately in a snap of fingers. Veterans deal with this daily. I'm not going to get into veteran suicide and veteran depression, but it is a catastrophic problem. And it happens in sports too. Because the day you're done playing, you lose your community, you lose your identity, and you lose your purpose. And to your point, Pete, we can start teaching our children these things at a very, very young age. Really, six, seven, eight, you can start teaching the ideals of trust, community, uh, authenticity, adversity. Uh, chores are a great one. I saw a great video the other day that reminded me, your eight-year-old can dress themselves, make themselves breakfast, make their own lunch, and get out the door for you to drive them to school. You don't have to do everything for them. It was a nice reminder. And, and then this morning, I actually made my kids do all that by themselves. But it's right. And it's hard because they're a pain in the butt. And they fight you on everything. All right. But I, here's the thing. This is what I talked about earlier in the show, right? They got to figure it out. Because if I'm making their lunch when they're 18, we've got a problem. We got a big problem, right? So just to your point, it was a fantastic answer. I'm not trying to, to I'm just trying to add on to it that parents, purpose, identity, community, so important to us as people. This has nothing to do with hockey now, right? Pete, you created a program with all three of those and higher purposes, higher identities, and higher community that transcend the program. Um, when we do have you back, just for to tease this to our audience, we are definitely going to dive into how you developed that program uh, and other programs, right? And and how it's not just about, here's a jersey, here's a nice ring, go out there and play, right? It's a little bit more than that. So I, I'm not going to close you. I want to make sure Mike and Christy, I give you guys the final word before I slide into the, the close here. Yeah, um, just sticking with that theme, and this just happened this past weekend, um, a college hockey mom, her daughter's younger, said to me, oh my gosh, Sophia's a senior, this is it for you. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, right to the heart. There, what, 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 do I, you know something I don't? I said, oh well, my gosh, what are you going to do when she graduates? And I said, I can't wait for the next chapter. I'm just, I'm excited about who she is as a person and what she's going to do with her life. It's yeah. just, her life doesn't I end after college. Like they were ready to yeah. have a funeral for me. You know, yeah. My life is ending. No, it's not. Yeah. No, that's why you have the podcast, right? Because no, that's a great point. <laughs> life doesn't end after college. Hopefully it starts. <laughs> and it doesn't end for the college hockey mom either. So we, uh, we have a lot of things going on that uh, is more more to life than just uh, being in the stands watching your kids play. It's watching them grow and develop as incredible human beings. So, and that's just part of it. All right, Grizzly Bear Benelli, you're up. No, no, I, I just, I, I, I mean, obviously, I agree with Pete only because I, I kind of follow him and 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 love what he's done with the players he's worked with, and I, you know, knowing personally his his own kids and 
the people he works with and the people he uh, allowed to associate with him, you could see the values that are in there. I mean, the people, you know, you are who you are around. Right. And I think that if, if, if you're, if you're in a situation like coach Whitney was just explaining that, you know, your identity and I, and I really try to focus that and going back to, you know, what we do as a, as a hockey society, you know, we take a lot of that away from kids. Like we don't, it, it's very hard, right. To, to do both. Right. Pete, it's hard to say, I want you to be a musician. I want you to be a horseback rider. I want you to see your grandmother on her 99th birthday. Like all this kind of stuff is really important. But if you miss my Friday night practice, I'm going to sit you for the weekend. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's just a hard, it's a hard thing, but I get it. And, and, and that's really the role of the parent to say, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know, and we've talked about this on many episodes about researching the organizations you actually associate yourself with and go to and making sure if that's part of your value system, that you're not a hockey player, hockey is just something you do. Then, then you make a determination on where you want to go. And, and, and I think if you're really that talented and you're destined to be a player that can play at the highest levels, you're going to get there anyway, because your own inner, you know, your inner drive is going to drive you to get there, whether you went and missed a, you know, a 50 minute practice in November or not. So I think it's a great, I think it's a great way to a great perspective to look at, you know, from the time your kid is six and seven and eight years old um, to not say, well, I'm going to put everything into being, he's a hockey player. Mm -hmm. She's a hockey player. Just be a person. The hockey will take care of itself and maybe you'll be lucky and the other stuff will take care of itself too. Fantastic points all around. Very good. good. Pete, I want to say, and we knew, we knew we were not going to be able to have just one episode with you. That's why we're we're going to have to have you. I know I have so many other questions for him and I know parents do too. So definitely send us an email and we'll try to get those questions and we'll even have Pete answer them. I'm sure you'd be very generous about that. Pete. Um, He's retired. He has plenty of time. He has plenty of time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's the whole aspect of how much do you invest in, you know, hiring someone to do videos for your kids to get, you know, people to look at your kid and the whole recruiting process itself can be a whole other episode. So yeah, we have tons of other questions for you all the time. Yeah, exactly. This is what Christy, you and I were on the same mind right there. Yeah. So listen, if you do have questions for us or Pete, he he will be back. Feel free to email us at team at ourkidsplayhockey.com. Again, we do this show for you. Uh, Amazed how many emails come in. Some of them just thanking us for doing the show. Yeah, yeah, you're all the best. And and again, we're going to start doing more mailbag type episodes. I know Christy, Mike, and I have talked a lot about this would be a good topic and that would be a good topic. So, yeah. so we're going to be doing those, but feel free again, it's team at ourkidsplayhockey.com. Uh, remember, you can hear all of the episodes we've ever done at, at ourkidsplayhockey.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, and if you do enjoy them, share them with your friends, put them in your team snap, let people know about the show. We are trying to grow the audience. Uh, if you can give us those five-star reviews, that helps a lot as well. Uh, keeping us at the top of the charts. Uh, You are a wonderful, beautiful audience, and we cannot thank you enough for putting us in that top 10 spot. Uh, But before I finally close this, Pete, I just want to thank you again for being here with this episode. Uh, Just golden nuggets the entire time of wisdom, and and we're thankful that you could spend some time with us today. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. So nice to meet everybody. Uh, Can't wait to do it again. Oh, and we're going to do it again. Thank you, Pete. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Make sure you have a wonderful week, wonderful weekend, wherever you're traveling. Hopefully it's fun. Enjoy your hockey. Have a great day. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.
We hope you enjoyed this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Make sure to like and subscribe right now if you found value wherever you're listening, whether it's a podcast network, a social media network, or our website, ourkidsplayhockey.com. Also, make sure to check out our children's book, When Hockey Stops, at whenhockeystops.com. It's a book that helps children deal with adversity in the game and in life. We're very proud of it. But thanks so much for listening to this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, and we'll see you on the next episode.